Chapter One of A Daughter of the Snow by Jack London. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter One Already, Miss Wells, although I'm sorry we can't spare one of the steamer's boats. Frona Wells arose with alacrity and came to the first officer's side. "'We're so busy,' he explained, "'and gold-rushers are such perishable freight, at least—' "'I understand,' she interrupted, "'and I, too, am behaving as though I were perishable. "'And I am sorry for the trouble I am giving you, but—but—' She turned quickly and pointed to the shore. "'Do you see that big log-house between the clump of pines and the river? "'I was born there.' guess i'd be in a hurry myself he muttered sympathetically as he piloted her along the crowded deck everybody was in everybody else's way nor was there one who failed to proclaim it at the top of his lungs a thousand gold seekers were clamoring for the immediate landing of their outfits each hatchway gaped wide open and from the lower depths the shrieking donkey engines were hurrying the misassorted outfits skyward on either side of the steamer rows of scows received the flying cargo and on each of these scows a sweating mob of men charged the descending slings and heaved bales and boxes about in frantic search men waved shipping receipts and shouted over the steamer rails to them sometimes two and three identified the same article and war arose the two circle and the circle and dot brands caused endless jangling while every whipsaw discovered a dozen claimants the purser insists that he is going mad the first officer said as he helped frona wells down the gangway to the landing stage and the freight clerks have turned the cargo over to the passengers and quit work but we're not so unlucky as the star of bethlehem he reassured her pointing to a steamship at anchor a quarter of a mile away half of her passengers have pack-horses for skagway and white pass and the other half are bound over the chilkoot so they've mutinied and everything's at a standstill hey you he cried beckoning to a white hall which hovered discreetly on the outer rim of the floating confusion a tiny launch pulling heroically at a huge tow-barge attempted to pass between but the boatman shot nervily past her bow and just as he was clear unfortunately caught a crab this slewed the boat around and brought it to a stop watch out the first officer shouted a pair of seventy-foot canoes loaded with outfits gold rushers and indians and under full sail drove down from the counter direction one of them veered sharply towards the landing stage but the other pinched the whitehall against the barge the boatman had unshipped his oars in time, but his small craft groaned under the pressure and threatened to collapse. Whereat he came to his feet, and in short nervous phrases consigned all canoe-men and launch captains to eternal perdition. A man on the barge leaned over from above and baptized him with crisp and crackling oaths, while the whites and Indians in the canoe laughed derisively. "'Ah, one one of them shouted why don't you learn to row the boatman's fist landed on the point of his critic's jaw and dropped him stunned upon the heaped merchandise not content with this summary act he proceeded to follow his fist into the other craft 
the miner nearest him tugged vigorously at a revolver which had jammed in its shiny leather holster while his brother argonauts laughing waited the outcome but the canoe was under way again and the indian helmsman drove the point of his paddle into the boatman's chest and hurled him backward into the bottom of the whitehall when the flood of oaths and blasphemy was at full tide and violent assault and quick death seemed most imminent the first officer had stolen a glance at the girl by his side he had expected to find a shocked and frightened maiden countenance and was not at all prepared for the flushed and deeply interested face which met his eyes i am sorry he began but she broke in as though annoyed by the interruption no no not at all i am enjoying it every bit though i am glad that man's revolver stuck if it had not we might have been delayed in getting ashore the first officer laughed and therein displayed his tact that man is a robber he went on indicating the boatman who had now shoved his oars into the water and was pulling alongside he agreed to charge only twenty dollars for putting you ashore said he'd have made it twenty-five had it been a man he's a pirate mark me and he will surely hang some day twenty dollars for a half hour's work think of it easy sport easy cautioned the fellow in question at the same time making an awkward landing and dropping one of his oars overside you've no call to be flinging names about he added defiantly wringing out his shirt-sleeve wet from rescue of the oar you've got good ears my man began the first officer and a quick fist the other snapped in and a ready tongue need it in my business no getting long without it among you sea sharks pirate am i and you with a thousand passengers packed like sardines charge em double first-class passage feed em steerage grub and bunk em worse'n pigs pirate eh me a red-faced man thrust his head over the rail above and began to bellow lustily i want my stock landed come up here mr thurston now right away fifty cayuses of mine eating their heads off in this dirty kennel of yours and it'll be a sick time you'll have if you don't hustle them ashore as fast as god'll let you i'm losing a thousand dollars a day and i won't stand it do you hear i won't stand it you robbed me right and left from the time you cleared dock in seattle and by the hinges of hell i won't stand it any more i'll break this company as sure as my name's thad ferguson do you hear my spiel i'm thad ferguson and you can't come and see me any too quick for your health do you hear pirate eh the boatman soliloquized who me mr thurston waved his hand appeasingly at the red-faced man and turned to the girl i'd like to go ashore with you and as far as the store but you see how busy we are good-bye and a lucky trip to you i'll tell off a couple of men at once and break out your baggage have it up at the store to-morrow morning sharp she took his hand lightly and stepped aboard her weight gave the leaky boat a sudden lurch and the water hurled across the bottom boards to her shoe-tops but she took it coolly enough settling herself in the stern-sheets and tucking her feet under her hold on the officer cried this will never do miss wells come on back and i'll get one of our boats over as soon as i can i'll see you in in heaven first retorted the boatman shoving off let go he threatened mr thurston gripped tight hold of the gunwale and as reward for his chivalry had his knuckles wrapped sharply by the oar-blade 
then he forgot himself and miss wells also and swore and swore fervently i dare say our farewell might have been more dignified she called back to him her laughter rippling across the water jove he muttered doffing his cap gallantly there is a woman and a sudden hunger seized him and a yearning to see himself mirrored always in the gray eyes of frona wells he was not analytical he did not know why but he knew that with her he could travel to the end of the earth he felt a distaste for his profession and a temptation to throw it all over and strike out for the klondike whither she was going then he glanced up the beetling side of the ship saw the red face of thad ferguson and forgot the dream he had for an instant dreamed splash a handful of water from his strenuous oar struck her full in the face hope you don't mind it miss he apologized i'm doing the best i know how which ain't much so it seems she answered good-naturedly not that i love the sea bitterly but i've got to turn a few honest dollars somehow and this seemed the likeliest way i oughter a been in klondike by now if i'd had any luck at all tell you how it was i lost my outfit on windy arm halfway in after packin it clean across the pass zip splash she shook the water from her eyes squirming the while as some of it ran down her warm back you'll do he encouraged her you're the right stuff for this country going all the way in she nodded cheerfully then you'll do but as i was saying after i lost my outfit i hit back for the coast being broke to hustle up another one that's why i'm charging high pressure rates and i hope you don't feel sore at what i made you pay i'm no worse than the rest miss sure i had to dig up a hundred for this old tub which ain't worth ten down in the states same kind of prices everywhere over on the skagway trail horseshoe nails is just as good as a quarter a any day a man goes up to the bar and calls for a whiskey whiskey's half a dollar well he drinks his whiskey plunks down two horseshoe nails and it's okay no kick coming on horseshoe nails they use em to make change you must be a brave man to venture into the country again after such an experience won't you tell me your name we may meet on the inside who oh, me oh i'm dell bishop pocket miner and if ever we run across each other remember i'd give you the last shirt i mean remember my last bit of grub is yours thank you she answered with a sweet smile for she was a woman who loved the things which rose straight from the heart he stopped rowing long enough to fish about in the water around his feet for an old corn beef can you'd better do some bailin he ordered tossing her the can she's leakin worse since that squeeze frona smiled mentally tucked up her skirts and bent to the work at every dip like great billows heaving along the skyline the glacier fretted mountains rose and fell sometimes she rested her back and watched the teeming beach towards which they were heading and again the land-locked arm of the sea in which a score or so of great steamships lay at anchor from each of these to the shore and back again flowed a steady stream of scows launches canoes and all sorts of smaller craft man the mighty toiler reacting upon a hostile environment she thought going back in memory to the masters whose wisdom she had shared in lecture-room and midnight study she was a ripened child of the age and fairly understood the physical world and the workings thereof and she had a love for the world and a deep respect 
for some time del bishop had only punctuated the silence with splashes from his oars but a thought struck him you haven't told me your name he suggested with complacent delicacy my name is wells she answered frona wells a great awe manifested itself in his face and grew to a greater and greater awe you are frona wells he enunciated slowly jacob wells ain't your old man is he yes i am jacob wells's daughter at your service he puckered his lips in a long low whistle of understanding and stopped rowing just you climb back into the stern and take your feet out of that water he commanded and gimme hope that can am i not bailing satisfactorily she demanded indignantly yep you're doing all right but but you are are just what i was before you knew who i was now you go on rowing that's your share of the work and i'll take care of mine oh you'll do he murmured ecstatically bending afresh to the oars and jacob wells is your old man i oughter a known it sure when they reached the sand spit crowded with heterogeneous piles of merchandise and buzzing with men she stopped long enough to shake hands with her ferryman and though such a proceeding on the part of his feminine patrons was certainly unusual del bishop squared it easily with the fact that she was jacob wells's daughter remember my last bit of grub is yours he reassured her still holding her hand and your last shirt too don't forget well you're a a, a crackerjack he exploded with a final squeeze sure her short skirt did not block the free movement of her limbs and she discovered with pleasurable surprise that the quick tripping step of the city pavement had departed from her and that she was swinging off in the long easy stride which is born of the trail and which comes only after much travail and endeavor more than one gold rusher shooting keen glances at her ankles and gray gaitered calves affirmed del bishop's judgment and more than one glanced up at her face and glanced again for her gaze was frank with the frankness of comradeship and in her eyes there was always a smiling light just trembling on the verge of dawn and did the onlooker smile her eyes smiled also and the smiling light was protean mooded merry sympathetic joyous quizzical the complement of whatsoever kindled it and sometimes the light spread over all her face till the smile prefigured by it was realized but it was always in frank and open comradeship and there was much to cause her to smile as she hurried through the crowd across the sand spit and over the flat towards the log building she had pointed out to mr thurston time had rolled back and locomotion and transportation were once again in the most primitive stages men who had never carried more than parcels in all their lives had now become bearers of burdens they no longer walked upright under the sun but stooped the body forward and bowed the head to the earth every back had become a pack saddle and the strap galls were beginning to form they staggered beneath the unwonted effort and legs became drunken with weariness and titubated in diverse directions till the sunlight darkened and bearer and burden fell by the way other men exulting secretly piled their goods on two-wheeled go-carts and pulled out blithely enough only to stall at the first spot where the great round boulders invaded the trail whereat they generalized anew upon the principles of alaskan travel discarded the go-cart or trundled it back to the beach and sold it at fabulous price till the last man landed 
tenderfeet with ten pounds of colt revolvers cartridges and hunting knives belted about them wandered valiantly up the trail and crept back softly shedding revolvers cartridges and knives in despairing showers and so in gasping and bitter sweat these sons of adam suffered for adam's sin frona felt vaguely disturbed by this great throbbing rush of gold-mad men and the old scene with its clustering associations seemed blotted out by these toiling aliens even the old landmarks appeared strangely unfamiliar it was the same yet not the same here on the grassy flat where she had played as a child and shrunk back at the sound of her voice echoing from glacier to glacier ten thousand men tramped ceaselessly up and down grinding the tender herbage into the soil and mocking the stony silence and just up the trail were ten thousand men who had passed by and over the chilkoot were ten thousand more and behind all down the island-studded alaskan coast even to the horn were yet ten thousand more harnessers of wind and steam hasteners from the ends of the earth the dyea river as of old roared turbulently down to the sea but its ancient banks were gored by the feet of many men and these men labored in surging rows at the dripping tow-lines and deep-laden boats followed them as they fought their upward way and the will of man strove with the will of the water and the men laughed at the old dyea river and gored its banks deeper for the men who were to follow the doorway of the store through which she had once run out and in and where she had looked with awe at the unusual sight of a stray trapper or fur trader was now packed with a clamorous throng of men where of old one letter waiting a claimant was a thing of wonder she now saw by peering through the window the mail heaped up from floor to ceiling and it was for this mail the men were clamoring so insistently before the store by the scales was another crowd an indian threw his pack upon the scales the white owner jotted down the weight in a notebook and another pack was thrown on each pack was in the straps ready for the packer's back and the precarious journey over the chilkoot frona edged in closer she was interested in freights she remembered in her day when the solitary prospector or trader had his outfit packed over for six cents one hundred and twenty dollars a ton the tenderfoot who was weighing up consulted his guide-book eight cents he said to the indian whereupon the indians laughed scornfully and chorused forty cents a pained expression came into his face and he looked about him anxiously the sympathetic light in frona's eyes caught him and he regarded her with intent blankness in reality he was busy reducing a three-ton outfit to terms of cash at forty dollars per hundredweight twenty-four dollars for thirty miles he cried what can i do frona shrugged her shoulders you'd better pay them the forty cents she advised else they'll take off their straps the man thanked her but instead of taking heed went on with his haggling one of the indians stepped up and proceeded to unfasten his pack straps the tenderfoot wavered but just as he was about to give in the packers jumped the price on him to forty-five cents he smiled after a sickly fashion and nodded his head in token of surrender but another indian joined the group and began whispering excitedly a cheer went up and before the man could realize it they had jerked off their straps and departed spreading the news as they went that freight to lake linderman was fifty cents of a sudden the crowd before the store was perceptibly agitated 
its members whispered excitedly one to another and all their eyes were focused upon three men approaching from up the trail the trio were ordinary-looking creatures ill-clad and even ragged in a more stable community their apprehension by the village constable and arrest for vagrancy would have been immediate french louis the tenderfeet whispered and passed the word along owns three el dorado claims in a block the man next to frona confided to her worth ten millions at the very least french louis striding a little in advance of his companions did not look it he had parted company with his hat somewhere along the route and a frayed silk handkerchief was wrapped carelessly about his head and for all his ten millions he carried his own travelling pack on his broad shoulders and that one the one with the beard that's swiftwater bill another of the eldorado kings how do you know frona asked doubtingly no the man exclaimed no why his picture has been in all the papers for the last six weeks see he unfolded a newspaper and a pretty good likeness too i've looked at it so much i'd know his mug among a thousand then who is the third one she queried tacitly accepting him as a font of authority her informant lifted himself on his toes to see better i don't know he confessed sorrowfully then tapped the shoulder of the man next to him who is the lean smooth-faced one the one with the blue shirt and the patch on his knee just then frona uttered a glad little cry and darted forward matt she cried matt mccarthy the man with the patch shook her hand heartily though he did not know her and distrust was plain in his eyes oh you don't remember me she chattered and don't you dare say you do if there weren't so many looking i'd hug you you old bear and so big bear went home to the little bears she recited solemnly and the little bears were very hungry and big bear said guess what i have got my children and one little bear guessed berries and one little bear guessed salmon and t'other little bear guessed porcupine then big bear laughed woof woof and said a nice big fat man as he listened recollection avowed itself in his face and when she had finished his eyes wrinkled up and he laughed a peculiar laughable silent laugh sure and it's well i know ye he explained but for the life of me i can't put me finger on ye she pointed into the store and watched him anxiously now i have ye he drew back and looked her up and down and his expression changed to disappointment it couldn't be i mistook ye ye could never have lived in that shanty thrusting a thumb in the direction of the store frona nodded her head vigorously then it's your own self after all the little motherless darlin with the gould hair i combed the knots out of minnie's the time the little witch that run barefoot and barelegged over all the place yes yes she corroborated gleefully the little devil that stole the dog team and went over the pass in the dead of winter for to see where the world come to and end on the other side just because old matt mccarthy was after telling her fairy stories oh matt dear old matt remember the time i went swimming with the siwash girls from the indian camp and i dragged ye out by the hair of your head and lost one of your new rubber boots ah and sure i do and a most shockin and immodest affair it was and the boots was worth ten dollars over your father's counter and then you went away over the pass to the inside and we never heard a word of you everybody thought you dead 
well i recollect the day and ye cried in me arms and wouldn't kiss your old mat good-bye but ye did in the end he exclaimed triumphantly when ye saw i was goin to lave ye for sure what a wee thing ye were i was only eight and tis twelve year agone twelve year i've spent on the inside with niver a trip out ye must be twinty now and almost as big as you frona affirmed a likely woman you've grown into tall and shapely and all that he looked her over critically but ye could a stood a bit more flesh i'm thinkin no no she denied not at twenty mat not at twenty feel my arm you'll see she doubled that member till the biceps knotted tis muscle he admitted passing his hand admiringly over the swelling bunch just as though ye'd been workin hard for your livin oh i can swing clubs and box and fence she cried successively striking the typical postures and swim and make high dives chin a bar twenty times and walk on my hands there is that what ye've been doin i thought ye went away for buck larnin he commented dryly but they have new ways of teaching now matt and they don't turn you out with your head crammed and your legs that spindly they can't carry it all well then i forgive ye your muscle but how about yourself matt frona asked how has the world been to you these twelve years behold he spread his legs apart threw his head back and his chest out ye now behold mr matthew mccarthy a king of the noble eldorado dynasty by the strength of his own right arm me possessions is limitless i have more dust in one minute than ever i saw in all me life before me intention for making this trip to the states is to look up me ancestors i have a firm belief that they once existed ye may find nuggets in the klondike but never good whisky tis likewise me intention to have one drink of the right stuff before i die after that tis me sworn resolve to return to the supervision of me klondike properties indeed and i'm an eldorado king and if you'll be wantin the lind of a tidy bit it's meself that'll loan it ye the same old old mat who never grows old frona laughed and it's yourself as the true wells for all your prize-fighters muscles and your philosophers brains but let's wander inside on the heels of louis and shiftwater and he's still tindin store i'm told and we'll see if i linger in the pages of his memory and i also frona seized him by the hand it was a bad habit she had of seizing the hands of those she loved it's ten years since i went away the irishman forged his way through the crowd like a pile-driver and frona followed easily in the lee of his bulk the tenderfeet watched them reverently for to them they were as northland divinities the buzz of conversation rose again who's the girl somebody asked and just as frona passed inside the door she caught the opening of the answer jacob wells's daughter never heard of jacob wells where have you been keeping yourself end of chapter one read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com